0: Dose of Leadership podcast, episode 287.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson.
0: Hey, if you're a fan of professional football, you'll recognize today's guest, Bill Cower. He was the head football coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers for 15 years. He took them to the Super Bowl twice. He lost in 1995 against the Cowboys, but he won Super Bowl 40 against the Seahawks. He's a two-times AFC champion. He's the AP NFL Coach of the Year in 1992. He's the uh, two time Sporting News NFL Coach of the Year, and he's been inducted in the Pittsburgh Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2011. He's got a win loss record of 161, 99, and 1, which is about a 61, 62 percentage rating. Not too bad. I love Bill Cowher, even though I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. And they're in the same division as, as them. The Steelers were uh, a welcomed rival. And I always appreciated Bill's leadership style. And we talk about that on this show. And we talk about, of course, of the most recent Super Bowl 51, how that pertains to leadership, the leadership styles there. I really think you can enjoy this conversation. Hey, check out doseofleadership.com or richardryerson.com to learn more about my coaching and speaking services and my masterminding. I'm always looking to fill a mastermind group. so uh, And uh, reach out to me at Richard at doseofleadership.com, and I'd love to hear from you. So without further ado, here's former Steelers head coach Bill Cowher on Dose of Leadership. Well, Coach, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to Dose of Leadership.
1: Thanks, Richard. Great to be here.
0: Well, Coach, I'd love to get your take on Super Bowl 51. I mean, as we're recording this, it was less than two weeks away, and particularly about the Patriots in terms of of, from a leadership perspective – you know, They seem to be the team that everybody loves to hate, but i got to tell you, I've always respected the Patriots, and I think the reason why they're so good and why they're so powerful and why that game was so unique is that the Patriots are certainly a talented team, but they have this intensity of will coupled with this tremendous sense of humility. Uh, they win humble, and I haven't really heard anybody talk about that in that sense, but I think that is the powerful combination on why the Patriots are so good. Uh, I'd love your take on that.
1: Well, there's no question. I think they win with humility. And I think that's always been a, a classy part of the main Patriots. and historically to collaborate with Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, you know, and, and obviously Robert Kraft. I think what they've done is they've created a culture up there where players come in, uh, they check their ego at the door and it's a very selfless place. And so it's uh, more about the camaraderie and what's in the best interest of the team. And I think it's a culture that uh, you know that, that's been built up there again because of the, the top player is that way. I way Tom Brady is. So, uh, there's no question. I think that there's a lot of continuity. Um, there's development of players up there, and again, that uh, usually is a good recipe to have something that is sustainable, particularly in a winning fashion.
0: Yeah, I mean, so everybody always talks about their talent, particularly in Tom Brady. But talent's a given, right? Especially at that stage. I mean, you you got to be talented to be at that level. And if I looked at that game, it's weird, and and I see this in sports all the time. It's, I mean, and I don't even know how you define it, but you just feel something changing in that momentum. It's that nefarious or that kind of ether type quality that starts to take over a game. Why do you think that happens? Is it leadership? Is it talent? Well, I
1: think I don't know if it manifests in one game, to be quite honest with you. I think what you have to look at is a body of work, and I think certainly that has been a characteristic of the New England Patriots, um, you you know, for this last decade. I think when you look at that football game, I think you know the tough thing. I think you're looking at is, you know, maybe a, a series of plays that the Atlanta Bra- Atlanta Hawks mm-hmm. <laughs> Atlanta Hawks plays. I got mock- <laughs> them right. um, all The Atlanta Falcons. I think when you look at them, it was a game they should have won, uh, not a game they could have won. Uh, I think there were some tactical errors at the end of that game, um, from a clock management standpoint, that really just kind of gave gave an opening to the New England Patriots. I think they'd be the first ones to tell you that. You know they, they probably should have lost that game, but when you give them an opening, you give them a crack, and uh, they took it, seized it, ran with it, and uh, ended up finishing the game off in overtime. But, again, for the Atlanta Falcons, it was a great year. Matt Line had a great season, uh, but, again, the inexperience, I think, sometimes of being there in the big game, particularly in the very closing parts of a football game when you have to learn how to close games, um, sometimes that experience uh, kind of raises its ugly head when you
0: don't have it. Yeah, for sure, and I think the leadership, Really shown through of, of Brady and I saw a clip where they had um, Edelman and, and Brady mic'd and they kind of showed him throughout the whole game, and I was struck by especially in the fourth quarter and they're talking, you know, they're walking up and down the lines and talking about this is not over, let's make history. It's like that leadership quality of kind of suspending the belief on how it's going to get done. You just know it's going to get done. That to me is what what I was sensing in that momentum. I mean, it, it kind of I don't know why it surprised me, but it did. It was refreshing to see.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think again, you're looking at uh, a football team that uh, expects to win and, and realizes that uh, no game's ever over. And I think again, I think that's the experience that comes, and, it, uh, and and again, it manifests itself when you do have success. And I think that you know, again, that starts at the very top, and you know, having a, a quarterback who's been there before, man, and to his own admission, maybe not his best game, but the bottom line, I think, when you get involved, particularly in the game of football, it's about how you can play in the fourth quarter what you do when the pressure is on, how do you respond to it? And again, the experience factor, the the confidence factor, and as you state, the leadership element of that is something that, you know, a lot of players when they get in that huddle, they look at a player like that and he starts to talk, you believe in him. And again, wow. I think Matt Ryan is that same type of leader on his football team. Unfortunately, he never got a chance to see the ball <laughs>
0: right. because
1: of the overtime.
0: Right. Well, and I always like, I mean, my favorite thing about watching football, I always watch the, how coaches react. I was always um, a big fan of your leadership style. I loved your passion, your intensity, but you, there was a degree of humility with you in, in, there as well. And when you look at Belichick, even up to the last minute, I don't, I never really hear people talk about his humility, but he seems like a humble guy, right? I mean, and, and he coaches all the way to the end. That's what I noticed about that game that he, he didn't, he wasn't, not that anybody was panicking, but I saw a, an extra degree of compartmentalized composure that I hadn't seen in a while.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've known Bill for over 20 some years. Competed against him and got to know him very well as a friend and, you know, as a colleague certainly. So, I mean, you know, I think the one thing about the great game of football is that, you know, um, you know, you 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 play every situation. And I think again, you you realize no game is ever over till it's over. Right? Whether you have a lead or you're um, there's a deficit. So, he understands how to manage a game. He understands the decisions that have to go with that. And He also understands the the you know the good fortune of, of a good bounce here and there or, or, or a team that suddenly makes a tactical error, and you have an opportunity to jump on it and pounce on it so um again i think again that's you know that that's why the game of football i think is so great and uh it brings out the very best of people and it also can expose uh, some of the weaknesses and there yeah. things that you have to work on as you get, as you continue to gain that experience. And I think that's what we saw in the Atlanta Falcons is a football team that tremendous talent. I think that Dan Quinn will learn from this uh, situation. I know in my 15 years as a head coach, I never quit learning, um, win with humility and you keep growing as a person, as a coach, as a leader. And, um, I think Dan will become a better coach because of it.
0: Yeah, for sure. I just can't, uh, that loss has to be so painful. I just, I can't imagine he's never gonna I mean how do you how do you shake that? I don't know if you do, right? I mean how do you how do you go forward?
1: Oh you go forward. It's 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 not as hard as people think. I listen, I lost a Super Bowl and I won a Super Bowl. And you know, I I, I think the biggest thing you look at it from his perspective in the second year is that you know, what we've what they've done is they've laid they've le- raised the level of expectation. You know, what you're trying to do with any organization, with any business is you keep trying to raise the bar and that yeah. becomes what the expectation is. And I think the biggest thing you have to do from there is, is make sure that you don't allow yourself to let, you know, um, uh, you know, complacency seep in. And I think that's the thing that great leaders do. They don't get complacent with where they are and they'll continue to grow. And I think Dan will continue to do that. And again, they got a great nucleus. They got a very good quarterback. And I think that, you know, the biggest, biggest thing you can do is, is to grow off of this year and don't let that to be something that uh, that can become an obstacle, It's really what that does, what that created was an opportunity to start a life cycle of expectation that allows the Atlanta Falcons to become a better football team going forward.
0: Yeah. What about when you went to your first Super Bowl, you know, you're 38 years old, and then you're back again 10 years later and you're 48. What's the difference? How did you mature and grow? If you can look back in perspective, what um, what were the leadership lessons you learned within that kind of 10-year gap?
1: Well, the first thing I learned is it's not so easy to get back. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. You know, so it's ten years later. I it's, it's like uh, I remember the mantra uh, that we kind of had that week was they never remember who loses a Super Bowl. You right? Know, I, I mean, right. You always, when you get there, you always remember the winners because they're they go down in history. But you, you really very rarely outside of the Buffalo Bills who went there four straight years. Uh, no one really remembers who loses that game. <laughs> right, so right. I, I, I think the biggest thing you go back here is is, is, you, is you, you get a chance to go back there. It's a, it's a big stage. It's a great stage. A, you want to embrace it, but at the same time, you've got to stay focused on how you got there, not to the lose sight of that. And I, and I thought the Atlanta Falcons, were the most to be honest with you, I thought they played a very good football game. Yeah. Like I said, a couple of tactical errors near the end. Uh, but, uh, again, you know, I think, for me personally, it was just, uh, it was all about the journey. Um, that was just one game, yeah. you know? And I think, I think when you look at a season, when you end up playing 19, 20 games and, uh, you know, I know you maybe get defined by the one game, but I think through the course of that, what you realize is the journey you took was very special. And there's so many storylines along the way. And, Things that you will always remember—not just the final game, but uh, you know all the challenges that you go through, all the sweat and tear, and, and that, that you go through during the course of the preseason and the regular season, and you know some of the big games that that, that kind of create the, the chemistry and actually create who you are from an identity standpoint. So um, it, it's a journey um, that a lot of times gets identified by one game, but when it's all said and done, um, it, it really becomes a very special year.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, you've had a lot of, um, well, playing sports in general, you get so many life and leadership lessons, but I mean, you were under Lou Holtz. I just can't imagine how much of your leadership um, style, your journey was impacted by working under Lou Holtz.
1: Well, I mean, I, I think what you do, I think, is I was I was blessed to have a lot of good coaches along the way. Um, You know, obviously, I had my high school coach, Bill Yost. I went to college. Lou Holtz, I had him for one year. Uh, You know, and then I had Bill Ryan for three years, and then I went to the pros, and I it was one year under Dick Vermeil. I got cut, and I had Sam Ritignano, Marty Schottenheimer. Um, so I was really very blessed to have had a lot of really good people in my life from a coaching perspective. and. You know, so they, you know, they, they, they teach you a work ethic. They teach you a, a mental approach to the game, uh, and of the game. Like it's all about preparation. It's all about what you, you know, you got to put more in to get something out. And, um, I think every one of them really impacted me a lot at the same time. You know, growing up in Western Pennsylvania, my father had a lot of, a lot of sure. impact on me. So, yeah. you know, I think you become a, I think a byproduct of all the people you run across in, in terms of, you know, your path as you, as you go forward, whether it's in business or in sports.
0: How do you want to be remembered as a, as a leader and a coach?
1: Oh, I don't know. It doesn't, you know, my, I, the one thing that anyone that was around me was I was, I was consistent. Um, I held people accountable and I, and I, and I embraced the journey. You know, I, I just, I just, I was a guy that I enjoyed every game. I enjoyed every, every year, love the challenges uh, The coming off of a loss, love the challenges of trying to keep something, uh keep, something sustainable and, and um, you know, and just that we would be, a, we were always going to be a tough football team. And I, I, I helped people. Like I said, I pushed people. Hopefully I made mm-hmm. that better people, better players. And it was all about preparation. And again, it was about winning with humility and having great respect for the game.
0: Yeah, I, I certainly, that's I always admired that of you. Again, it was that humility piece. And I looked at it in all the coaches, I guess, but that intensity of will coupled with a tremendous amount of humility, I think is an unstoppable combination and um, I'm curious, behind the scenes, a little inside baseball. I know we're talking football, but but inside baseball for the term of when you had expectations for your staff, for your coaching staff, how did you how did you run things? Were you a big delegator? Did everything have to run through you? What was it like? What were your expectations of your staff?
1: Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing was that that you set expectations. So, I mean, I think the biggest thing you can do is make sure that you communicate and know what each each person has to understand. What is expected from them from a rule standpoint? What their role is, uh, you know, what what their, their responsibilities are. Uh, certainly, delegation is uh, something you have to be able to being good, be good at if you want to. Uh, you know, you have a lot of people working for you, so you know you're only going to be as good as the people you surround yourself with. That is for sure. But you still want to be involved with things, and again, enough from the standpoint where you can hold people accountable. And I think again, that's the biggest thing to me. Is, you know, I, I try to hold people accountable. I, I try to, you know, make sure that I encouraged innovation. Um, and I wanted people to be innovative and thinking outside the box and make sure that there was a forum there that allowed them to share their ideas because I always thought that that's how we would be able to stay a step ahead is to, you know, kind of think outside the box and mm-hmm. stay you know, understanding what the current trends are. But at the same time then, Make some tough decisions. And to, uh, you know, you have to base it on uh, production and accountability. And I tried to do that, not just with the staff, but also with the teams and, the, and what we're trying to build there. So that was kind of the traits that we tried, the culture we tried to have there. But again, it was, you know, it was all about preparation. It was about making sure you understand exactly what your role was. That was my job to make sure that I explained that. And, and then, then at the same time, your that, that job also allowed that person to feel. Like they could be innovative, they can be uh, creative, and not to not to be able to harness them, but create an environment where people felt like the, that they were, you know, they were buying in, and that uh, they, they were taking ownership of the of the whole thing. And everybody, from whatever, whatever level they were at, uh, they took ownership in the team. Well,
0: what do you think is your most memorable? If you could look back, I mean, there's so many things. One memory that just stands out above above all that you just like to revisit.
1: Uh, I don't know if it's uh, you know certainly the you know certainly winning winning the Super Bowl when you're involved in football all your life like I've been you know you get there and you lose one you know to get there and win one in my 14th year which was very late in my career it it uh, it took on it, it took on a lot of you know um, I re- I really cherish that because I realized how hard it was I think right. you don't realize how hard it is to win one. Uh, until you get involved with it and you stay in it long enough and you see all the different disappointments that come along the way so certainly that was a very gratifying moment for me just because of all the uh, efforts and sacrifices not just for me but my family had made for me to be able to do what I did and again it, it's a gratification of winning one um certainly uh, you know makes that journey that you take talking about uh, uh, very uh, very fulfilling so um, that, that, that's probably the biggest thing I take away from it. Just they feel very blessed to be able to make a living doing a job and a game that I was playing from eight, nine years uh-huh. old. They'll right. be able to do it. And even to this day, I do it on TV. Um, I feel very, I've been very blessed.
0: How, what about the differences? If you look back, I mean, you hear a lot of people on this show, we've had, I've talked to a lot of CEOs and they've talked about the generational differences of, of leading and inspiring a different generation. Is it different in football? I mean, it, a coach, say if you're a thirty eight year old coach now or or starting like you did when you were twenty eight, how different is the profession in terms of motivating and inspiring and coaching today's players versus when you were coming up?
1: Well, you know, like again, it's been ten years since I've been out, but I've been involved with the game enough, been in enough locker rooms just even down the light in the last few years. Um, you know, yeah, it's a different generation, there's no question. I think we we're, we're in a much more um, transparent world than we've ever been in, just because of social media and all the different platforms are out that are out there. So transparency, certainly, you got to be very careful with what you're doing. I think the sacrifices that you professional athletes have to make are greater now than they were before, because uh, again, you're 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 up on a pedestal, you are a role model whether you like it or not, and so right. with that's gonna have to you know you have to be very careful with what you do and who you surround yourself with. But at the same time, when you're coaching, um, I think that that players. They want three things. They want a sense of direction, um, they want structure, and they want accountability in the locker room. I think if you bring those three things, it doesn't matter what generation of people you're talking about. If you get the right people in there, that's the culture you're trying to create. Is They want a sense of direction, continuity, growth with systems, keep the systems the same. They want structure. They want to know what people are going to be, how we're going to do it. How are we going to get there? And they want to make sure that along the way there's a sense of accountability with each and every individual. So I think if you can do those things, what you are is building a culture that's going to be sustainable over a period of time, one that's built on the expectation that it should be one of very high success.
0: I agree with you. Sometimes I think we make it more difficult than we need to uh, because what you just laid out there are are really timeless principles no matter who you're dealing with. I mean, those are basic human kind of wants and needs, right? Yeah, so I I love that answer. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? The future of the game, I hear a lot of people talking about they're scared about the future of the game, where it's going in the direction of the NFL. What's your take on it? How do you feel about the future of the NFL?
1: Well, I mean, the game is, I mean, listen, I think, like I said, that because of the transparency, because of all the knowledge we have now, certainly concussions are a big concern that they have with the game of football because it is a contact game. But I think because of that, uh, we, we, we're learning more uh, of how to teach the game safer, particularly at the grassroots level. I think we're doing that. We're taking a head out of the game. Um, you know, certainly you're seeing maybe concussions going down. Um, I think we won't know long term as to what the degree of it is, but I think the game is safer. And I think again, the positives of the game of football far away the negatives in terms of all the things that it, uh, the game promotes and nothing more than just opportunity that gives some people that may not otherwise have a chance to go to you know, college and to get uh, to be able to go to better places than where they are. And, you know, it creates teamwork. It gives identity to young kids, you know, growing up, it's all different body parts can play the game. Um, and uh, you put a helmet on, you're part of a team. Um, I think for young boys and young men, again, like I said, I, I, I don't. I had three daughters growing up. I got some grandsons. I hope they get a chance to play it. I would never force it on anybody, but I would never deny them the opportunity to play the game because I think it uh, there's it, it something about the game that's uh, very special, particularly for young boys. And and, uh, and like I said, I there's so many pluses I think that outweigh any of the net negatives and concerns.
0: I agree. And it's one of those, all sports, but I mean, football in particular. Uh, because of the time frame and I guess because of the um, intensity involved, there's so many life lead- leadership lessons and particularly um, the overcoming adversity piece. I think a lot of times we seem it seems like we try to get through life with um, no adversity, but it's actually that adversity that kind of promotes or produces greatness, right? I mean it's like you can't become great unless you experience some sort of adversity.
1: Well, I you know, I've always said, Richard, I said, you know, you're not gonna be defined by how many times you get knocked down. You'll be defined by how many times you continue to get back up. Because right. that to me is what life is all about. We're all gonna get knocked down at some point. But it's the people that can learn from that and continue to get back up, the resiliency part of that. And I don't think you can learn that early enough in life that sometimes right. you know you know, you're gonna get knocked down just like you are doing football. But if you continue to get back up and continue to to to, to, to work and to fight and your work ethic and you never quit anything, you start and you never be intimidated by anything. I think those are qualities that can help you throughout the course of your
0: life. Absolutely, and and in defeat too, how you handle yourself in a defeat, I think, is is a great mark of character and learning experience, right? And you certainly get that in the on the field of football or any sport. But I mean, how you handle yourself when you're when you've been knocked or defeated or lose, is telling. I right. think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I used to say. I said, uh, I said, adversity doesn't build character; it just reveals it. Right. And I think that's the one thing that you always find out. It's so easy when you're winning, but when you start to go through the challenges and adversity has sets in, you really find out not just about the people around you. You find out about yourself. You yeah. know, so I think being resilient, uh, being you know, a sense of purpose, and just to continue being able to, to 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 take every challenge and look at every challenge as more of an opportunity than it is uh, an obstacle.
0: Yeah. Hey, before I forget, I wanted to thank you for your support that you've given the uh, the military over the past few years. I know you've made a, a trip or two uh, over to, uh, was it Afghanistan that you go to? I can't remember where you yeah, went. Yeah,
1: 2000, 2009, I went to Iraq and to Baghdad in 2012, went to Afghanistan. And I got to tell you, both those trips, you know, the USO tours went throughout, through the, and the National Football League. Um, I, you, I just, I can't say enough about what our troops do over there. I think if anybody's been over there, it's life changing. Um, it's, uh, like talk about being selfless. I mean, there's a lot of young men over there and women over there that, uh, they're not exactly sure why they're there, but they're there because they're there to represent and to protect our freedoms that we have here in America. That's so much we take for granted at times. So I, I say to every military person that's done a tour and any military person that's even right here right now, thank you for all you're doing. Um, you know, we we live a, we are in the greatest country in the world. We have the greatest freedoms and opportunities that sometimes we take for granted. It's because of our military that we're allowed to do this and feel good about and safe about where we are. So, thank you.
0: Well, we appreciate. I know, in being a vet, I know, and um, people in the military I do appreciate that. And anybody that makes that trip and sees that over there, that that means a lot. And uh, yeah, when you go on those trips, I can imagine. Uh, it puts things in perspective. Anytime you travel outside of these states, I think that was probably the biggest thing I did when I traveled in the Marine Corps, going all over the world. I, I mean, I always appreciated this country, but when I got away from it, exactly. I really realized how good we have. Yeah,
1: it, you know? yeah, yeah. You get away and you get out there and you're seeing, you know, we're in Iraq and there's the Iraq at, you know, National Army is on the same base with the right. U.S. the USA Army and, you know, you just wow, you, you can never let your guard down. You, there's, just the sense of just always uh, just on edge. Everyone's on edge all the time. <laughs> right. I said, you just right. don't realize the life they're living and the sense of purpose. And they got to be, they got to always be, you know, right there and understand exactly whatever situation they're in. They can never let down their guard literally. And yeah. so, um, wow, you come back here and you, you just, it just makes you appreciate all the things that you guys did and that you have done over there and, you know, uh, and so I understand now when you come back, we, 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 I don't think we appreciate you guys enough. And mm-hmm. I, just, I have always encouraged people that there's no there's no one that's going to be more innovative than a military person. They're not going to be more accountable than a military person. And there's not a, a person that's going to be more team oriented. Is someone who's been in the military abroad. So, well, yeah. I tell you what—if you had a chance to put them on your company, I'd do it in a heartbeat.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a great endorsement. I appreciate you saying that. You know, any modicum of success I've had up to this point, I can attribute to the time in the Marine Corps for sure. And uh, that's it, awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like I look at the that service kind of pretty much like you look at football. I'm sure you know it's so many life lessons it has taught you. It's made you the man who you are. For no sure, doubt. yeah. No doubt. When you look at the roster, if you look at the field of of kind of these up and coming coaches, or even the experienced ones are out there. Who 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 do you really like and admire? I mean, who do you, who do you think really gets it?
1: No, well, I mean, I, I I I don't like putting names on things because I feel like I'm going to leave somebody out. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So, I get it. So yeah. you know, I mean, I I I just I like I like some of the young coaches that are getting opportunities right now. And everyone talks about well, there's no candidates out there you know what there, there there's so many good young people There's so many people that you know they're given the right opportunity the only thing i've tried to do is encourage owners to give a coach 3 years you know if yeah. you give a coach 3 years you see how they're trending after 3 years you know then if you need to make a change i get it but you see these guys that are getting giving these guys hiring them and a year later they're firing them All you're doing is admitting that you it wasn't it's not because of him it's you you mm-hmm. didn't hire the right guy You know, so don't judge him on one year. Don't judge him on two years. Give a guy three years. If it's not getting trended in three years, I get it. Now, you know, it's easy for me to say, I know that sometimes we don't get, we don't see everything that's going on behind closed doors. And sometimes there are circumstances that may not allow that to happen. I get that. Totally understand that. But I think from a general standpoint, you give anybody three years to run your organization, and you see how they're trending in those three years. Then, to me, then make a change if needed. And uh, but hopefully, what you'll do is you'll see it trending in the right direction.
0: Yeah, what? Yeah, I agree with that. That's 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 great. Sometimes it seems like they don't give them enough time. I mean, obviously, you went in. I think uh, I know the ninety-one season, ninety-one, ninety-two. They were what were they six and or seven and nine or something? And then you came in and and then you went to eleven and five. I mean, what a great improvement on your first season, right? But why do you think that was, what do you, th- I mean, I know there's so many, so many aspects to it, but why do you think the big yeah. turnaround?
1: Oh, it, it, it's hard to say, you know, I mean, again, you know, there's, it's, it, 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 it's very difficult to, I mean, to sit there and say, okay, this is what, this yeah. is what happened. I think if we all knew that. Yeah, we would, we, we would box it up and sell it. it. Right. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> you know, but there's no real manuscript. I think every situation is uniquely different. Um, and, uh, you know, you walk into a building and there's just there's certain good qualities about it and there's certain qualities that uh that you have to change and that's why their change maybe was made. You know, I mean I know Chuck Knoll was a he's a Hall of Fame coach, great coach, but they'd only been to playoffs one time in seven years prior to that, to me getting there. And you know, sometimes we changed the whole staff. We changed everything that was being done there and it was, it was, it worked out, you know, but that didn't diminish what I was able to do because there was a lot of qualities that Chuck Nolan installed in that football team and that organization that I was blessed to have, able to have inherited. And then at the same time, you know, taking it to the next level of, of trying to make sure that uh, again, it, it, it's a team that, that you're building around what you would like to be at what it looks like and the vision you have for it and the culture you're trying to create. So it takes a lot. It's uh the Rooney's are a tremendous organization and a family that's uh, very supportive. And, you know, that's why they've only had three coaches, I think in like the last 40 right. years. So it's, uh, it's a pretty special place.
0: I'm thinking about, you know, to be in your early thirties and be a, a, a head football coach. I just, I mean, I'm 48 now and I think, Oh my gosh, it, I don't know. I just, it would seem so. I mean, I'm a confident guy. I like to take on challenges, but I'm like, oh my God, I'd feel like I was getting going to be found out. You know, sooner or later, they're going to find out that they got the wrong guy or something. You know, I mean, how scared was it? I mean, how, how, I mean, how foreign was it? You know?
1: Well, you know what? I, I think having the fear of failure is not a bad thing. I think yeah. we all had that. I think yeah. you, you talked to any NFL coach. I think that the fear of failing becomes the motivational, uh, uh, part of, of of why you are successful right. and i think if you talk to any ceo i think that's probably true too i think we all have this fear of failure and i think that also the ability to be able to use that as the fuel and the, and, and the motivation of, of why you put the time the effort the preparation the you know the attention to detail and, and and you apply everything you do because you know you don't want to fail and i think when you have that Quality where some people can become complacent. Some people are okay. They just get there. You know, whatever happens is going to happen. And I think when you get there, to, to be driven enough to do whatever you need to do um, to continue to be successful is uh, is a great motivating force. And I think that we all had that. I know I had that in my 15 years. I just didn't want to fail. And I, was, I missed it. Yeah. And I feared failure.
0: Yeah, and it's like that fear can be a great barometer. You know, it can it can tell you what, you what you should be doing. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's getting comfortable with it. You know, I think realizing that the fear and uncertainty never really goes away. It never goes away. And no. so, if that's the price of admission to what we need to do to achieve something of significance, then let's just get on with it and get used to it. Yeah, and, and tackle it's a,
1: it. It becomes a way of measuring the level of competition you have within yourself. How right. competitive are you? Mm-hmm. And you know what. If you're if you're okay with losing and then all of a sudden to me, that's a degree of complacency. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't accept it, but you certainly just uh, you deal with it. You learn to deal with it. And uh, but uh, that also becomes the, the driving force of why you want to change something.
0: Yeah. So what's next as we kind of wrap up here? What what's what's exciting for you? What's what's in the future for you?
1: Well, I'm with CBS. I'm looking forward to, to, to continue my job there with them. Uh, we, we have Thursday night football next year for the first half of the season. So I do that on Thursday nights in the studio, uh, show, the pregame show with CBS priority to, to uh, uh, on CBS on Sundays. And you know what? I, I, I really love working with CBS. It's, uh, it, it's a great family. Um, again, like I said, it's, uh, it, you know, it gives me my football, uh, you know, it fixes my niche for football. And my, uh, you know, my itch that I get for that. So no, I, really. get, I get filled with that. And in the off season, I, I do a lot of traveling. I do some speaking, and uh, I'm in a good place. I got three grandkids, and uh, I'm enjoying life right now.
0: Well, coach, I'm a big fan of you. Have been for a long time. Even though uh, uh, Kansas City is my team, it's a, it's a rival. I mean, I've always appreciated the Steelers. I've always appreciated your leadership style. Love how you are as a coach, as a human being, as a man, as a leader. And uh, it's just been an honor to have you on the show.
1: Thank you, Richard. And, again, I know that you're a vet, and I know that this goes out to a lot of the, uh, the people that are serving our country. And I can't say it again. I'll say it uh, just thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you for every every military person for what they're doing and what they've done. Um, we all owe you so much. And uh, because we would not have the freedoms we have today, it's for people like you and, and our military today that are over there uh, fighting for our freedoms uh, that we sometimes take for granted here. So I would just say, speaking on behalf of everybody, thank you for everything that you've done and uh, continue to do.
0: Awesome stuff, Coach. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. Hope you're finding some great value in Dose of Leadership. Hey, go check out my website, doseofleadership.com. Get your free access to some videos or to my free ebook. Also check out richardryerson.com. If you're interested in one-on-one coaching, group coaching, seminars, needing somebody to speak at your next event, I'm always available. Check out more at richardryerson.com. Let me know where you're at in your leadership journey. I'd love to hear from you. Richard at doseofleadership.com. It's a great way to get in touch with me. Find me on my Facebook page, LinkedIn, Twitter. Get in touch with me. We'll make it a great one.